Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Dr. Kristen Neff, the pioneering self-compassion researcher, author, and teacher, is back on Brain Care. And this time, she's giving us a sneak peek into the book that she's just released, Fierce Self-Compassion, How Women Can Harness Kindness to Speak Up, Claim Their Power, and Thrive. Welcome back, Dr. Kristen. Oh, thank you. Glad to be back. Can you tell us a little bit about what prompted you to write it? So what, like, how does it differ from the best-selling self-compassion and you know is it a sequel is it a reboot speaking in, in movie language yeah well it's really uh, there's a lot of very new material it's actually quite different than my first book and I think it does probably help if you read my first book because um, it goes over the fundamentals of self-compassion you know what it is especially how to use it to deal with uh, our emotional pain our challenges in life and this book really stemmed from, um, you know, is it, the book's 10 years old now. I actually just came out in Britain with the new 10-year edition, believe it or not. It's crazy. But what I started noticing when I was talking to people about self-compassion is people often got confused about what self-compassion is. And I, I started realizing there was a tender side of self-compassion and what I like to call a fierce side of self-compassion. And people were just aware of the tenderness and not aware of the fierceness. So the tender aspect of self-compassion is the ability to just be with ourselves as we are. There's a type of unconditional self-acceptance that, that compassion gives us. It's more the nurturing, gentle, warm energy of self-compassion. You might think of it metaphorically as, as a mother or a father. You know, you just love your child unconditionally. It doesn't matter if that child's screaming its head off. You know, we still love that child. We soothe that child. We comfort that child. We, we let that child know it's not alone. We're there for it. That's a really important side of self-compassion and, and really, I think, is primarily responsible for emotional resilience, helping us heal our wounds, hold our pain without being overwhelmed. But, you know, compassion at, at its deepest level is really concerned with the alleviation of suffering. And sometimes that means we need to accept ourselves, but sometimes to alleviate our suffering, we've got to do something. So there's also a powerful action-oriented side of compassion. I mean, think of a firefighter who risks their life to, you know, save someone from a burning building. Or maybe you're in that burning building and you need to, like, jump out the second floor window to save your life, do something very brave and courageous. That's also a really important part of compassion. And I call that fierce self-compassion. And so this may look like uh, protecting ourselves, saying no, drawing boundaries, speaking up, you know, saying that you, you're treating me unfairly, it needs to stop. That's a really important part of self-compassion. Providing for ourselves, like saying no to others and yes to ourselves, right? Sometimes saying, you know, actually, I need to, to spend time, energy, and effort meeting some of my own needs. If I'm just constantly giving, giving, giving to others, and I don't help myself, don't take action, spend time and energy on myself, that's not self-compassionate. And then finally, motivating change. You know, people think self-compassion is all about acceptance, but sometimes, you know, we accept ourselves, 
that maybe our behaviors aren't so acceptable or our life situation isn't so acceptable. Maybe we're doing things that are harmful or we're, we're in a harmful situation and we need to do something. And then also, this is also relevant to uh, the work of social justice. I think people think of self-compassion just as about personal development, but of course we're connected to the world. And so if we live in an unjust, unfair world, we also aren't being self-compassionate. So it needs to be aimed inward and outward. So for instance, I see the Me Too movements and the Black Lives Matter movements as self-compassion movements, as people rise up to say, hey, things need to change, this isn't okay. This is fierce self-compassion. And the reason I wrote the book for women was just because it was it was too complicated to write it from both points of view and you know gender role socialization and I have to say it's really helped disempower women cutting us off from our fierceness this fact that we're only supposed to be helping others we aren't allowed to get angry we aren't allowed to speak up and I was especially motivated by the Me Too movement and seeing how in some ways our past history how how we are harmed by not being able to speak up. Can you give us like actually a sneak peek, I guess, into some of the practices that um, readers can think about and experience? Yeah. So, for instance, I have uh, actually four different versions of a a core self-compassion practice, which I call the self-compassion break, which is when when you're in the midst of some sort of difficult situation, you take a little break, a little time out, maybe five minutes to intentionally uh, bring in the three core components of self-compassion right, which are, um, you know, mindfulness, a sense of common humanity and kindness. But depending on what you need in the moment, they take a very different form. So for instance, I have a tender self-compassion break where we we bring in the three elements to to cultivate uh, loving, connected presence, which are the three components in their tender form. So it's more of a gentle nurturing energy. We might need that if we're feeling hurt, for instance, or if we're feeling wounded in some way, we need some of that soft, more gentle nurturing energy. But another version might be to protect ourselves. Maybe someone's crossing your boundaries. Maybe you have a relative who's trying to push their political views on you, or you're being untreated unfairly at work or something, and you really need to stand up for yourself. Then you use these same three elements in their um, more fierce protective form, which is brave, empowered clarity. Right, you use the mindfulness to get real clarity about where your boundaries are, what where you want to draw the line, the sense of common humanity. It's not just feeling less alone. It's actually, okay, when I stand up for myself, I'm actually standing up for all people in a similar position. I'm not alone. I am, you know, connected to others. And then the kindness actually helps us to be brave. It empowers us. It says, okay, if I really care about myself, I'm gonna take a risk and I'm gonna be courageous. Right? So brave, empowered, clarity feels quite different. And I've got two other versions in the book. So that's the type of thing that these just, you can actually do. You can ask yourself, okay, what do I need right now? Okay, I need to stand up for myself. Okay, go on page, page whatever, what page it's on. And, and you do this practice and it actually helps engender the type of compassion that you need in the moment that's going to be most helpful. What actual issues do you explore in the book? Yeah, I talk about gender a lot because in a way that kind of is an orienting principle of the book. Kind of, and then, so there's some 
a feminist history in there, just kind of to set a backdrop for why things are the way they are. They are. I talk about uh, the Me Too movement and how um, these issues can be used to, to, to fight for fight against sexual harassment and abuse. I have a chapter for each of the types of self-compassion that I call it the tools of self-compassion. They're really, again, these, these muscles we can build. And then I apply it to work contexts, how we can use these fierce and tender self-compassion and, and workplace scenarios. Also uh, caregiving, right? So uh, caring for others, um, being professional caregivers, caring for our children, really how to basically care for others without losing ourselves, which for women especially is a problem because, because we're so socialized to be caregivers, is our caring isn't balanced. And then I've got a, a chapter on relationships where I talk about how self-compassion can help both inside and also outside of a relationship. So it can help us have more uh, productive relationships, more fulfilling relationships, but really importantly, especially for a woman, because our history has told us that our value comes from being in a relationship. I mean, quite literally, we couldn't own property. We had no status in society. What It had to be either our father or our husband you know, who, who gave us power and status, who owned our property. So even though that's not the case anymore, there's still this vestige of the idea that men don't face quite the same way. Men may want to be in a relationship, but there's not this whole historical backdrop of I need to be in a relationship to be worthy, that women do. And so it's really saying how we can question that. Do we need to have a partner telling us we're special, we're beautiful, we're wonderful, they're committed to us, they're going to protect us? Or can self-compassion be used to meet a lot of these needs for ourselves? And really, I think the way I end the book is that where self-compassion leads, if you practice it deeply enough, is freedom. That's really what it's offering us, freedom. Freedom from being so dependent on other people's approval. You know, freedom from not realizing that we have this superpower, self-compassion, that we can use to help us achieve our goals in life. And then ultimately, if you take compassion deeply enough, it really points to interconnection with all things. You might say the self and self-compassion kind of drops away <laughs> and it's just compassion, it's just interconnectedness. So there's a little bit of spirituality in there as well. What are your top three takeaways for listeners that want to practice radical, rather fierce self-compassion? Self-compassion does come down to asking yourself the question, what do I need right now? You know, what do I need that's going to help alleviate my suffering? And knowing that there are, are it's, compassion has many faces, many forms. And so realizing that it's not always tenderness you need. I mean, there may be tenderness you also need, but realizing that fierceness, I, I like to talk about it as tapping into your inner mama bear, and I like saying mama bear because it's, you know, kind of goes against gender stereotypes. But of course, any parent, you know, whether or not you have children, we have this ability as humans, we have this evolved capacity to protect those we love. And so that fierce protector energy that we use for those we love, we can also draw on that to help ourselves. So just remembering that you have that power in you that can you can call upon at any time. That's a tip. Integration, just remembering that what we're aiming for is balance, but also remembering that balance is a process. It's not a destination. You don't get to a place of balance and stay there. 
balance is a process and you're continually falling out of balance and then you're being compassionate about falling down and you're getting into a realignment again. So remembering it's not it's not a goal, it's not a destination, it is a process. And then maybe I'll finally close with the way I close, close my book, Fear Self-Compassion, is that really the ultimate goal of practice is simply to be a compassionate mess. So what does that mean? It means, you know, the goal is not to be perfect. The goal is simply to open your heart. And so you will fall down. You will make mistakes. You'll get it wrong. You'll be too fierce. You'll be too tender. You'll make mistakes. You'll fail. You know, you start criticizing yourself. But again, all of this is natural. You are a human being. This is, this is part of the mess called life that we signed up for as human beings. But if you hold that mess with compassion, right, you're compassionate to the whole process, again, which is continually ongoing, then you've achieved your goal. So it's not a destination, but you're, when you're relating to this whole messy thing we call life and we call human life, especially experience, then um, that is an achievable goal. You can hold the mess with compassion and that allows you to function at least the best you can. Kristen, I'm going to ask you before you go, what does brain care mean to you and how does it show up in your life? What do you do to take care of your brain on a daily basis? One of my practices is, believe it or not, to open to uncertainty. As a scientist, and I've got a lot of left brain activity, I naturally want to understand things. I like to figure them out. I like to have developed theories about them. I like to research them. But again, that's in a way, if you, if you go too far in that direction, that has a place. But the illusion that we can understand everything and then control them really is an illusion. So I actually work as a daily practice with opening up to uncertainty, trying to be okay with not knowing. And I find that when I do that, it actually kind of frees up my brain to be a little less rigid, which is actually healthy for me and for it, if, if we're separate. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kristen. It's been a massive pleasure. And where can people go to just follow your work, get the book and make sure they're staying on top of fear, self-compassion and your work? Well, um, of course, you can buy my book, Fear Self-Compassion. It's out July 8th in the UK by Penguin. You can also go to my website, selfcompassion.org. And I actually have a fierce self-compassion page on my website with particular practices designed to cultivate fierce self-compassion. So that's also a great place to start. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week. Mm-hmm.